0: Did you know that amino acids are known as the building blocks of life, and getting the optimal ratio of amino acids in your diet is critical to staying healthy and maximizing your peak performance? I know firsthand how critical it is to stay healthy. Therefore, I've been on the lookout for quite some time for something that's 100% science-backed that can enhance and extend my peak athletic performance. That's why I'm so happy I recently discovered Perform from the amino company. Perform is a patented blend of essential amino acids that works to improve strength, focus, and endurance for peak athletic performance. Perform is scientifically proven to help revolutionize your workouts. Perform is an easy-to-use powder that you can mix in your water bottle for a delicious drink that keeps you operating at peak performance. Just drink it before and during your workouts for best results. You can check out their science by visiting Aminoco.com slash genius. Don't forget, once you're there, use coupon code GENIUS for 30% off at checkout. The website is com slash genius. Then use the code GENIUS. My guest is Bhuvnesh Bharti. He's an associate professor at Louisiana State University Department of Chemical Engineering. And we're going to talk about oil spill management recovered. So Bhuvnesh, thanks for coming.
2: Thanks, Rich, for the invitation. It's it's great pleasure to be on here and discussing with you some of our work in environment remediation and oil spill. You know.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really cool area you're working in. So uh, maybe you could spill the beans about uh, spilling oil. Tell me about uh, the oil spill recovery. You know I guess you you guys have been active for the past x number of years because of various spills in the Gulf, or has it been quiet and uh, you know what's your what's your research about currently
2: so my research in general at lSU focuses on understanding and programming the behavior micron and nano sized particles in liquids. and one specific area where my group focuses on is understanding or the behavior of microplastics and and finding new eco-friendly alternatives to currently used technologies for oil spill cleanup so these these two areas
0: uh have been of great interest to my research group what's the current technology used when there's an Uh, oil spill what are some of the examples
2: so oil spills so we you know oil spills are inevitable, right? So if you actually go back in history and start reading about it, then, you know, there have been more than 500 oil spills. Major, some are major, other are not so major in last 10 years. And the technologies we use to manage those oil spills still were still developed in 1960s and 70s. And basic technology is that if you have an oil spill, you add certain surfactant like molecules, or dispersants in there that actually makes emulsions or breaks the oil into smaller droplets that are dispersed in water. That's the basic and most mm-hmm. commonly used method for oil spill remediation.
0: But Oh, so it emulsifies the oil like fat in your that's body. right. And then what are some of the critical size thresholds in which the oil droplets now can be I don't know if they're eaten or assimilated into the surrounding material. Like, what's the benefit of breaking them down into smaller bits?
2: So, the benefit is that once you actually break these into smaller size droplets, well, there are two benefits. One is, of course, that, that disappears from the surface and, you know, it, it's not visible to us, but it also increases the surface area of the droplets. And because of this large surface area, Bacteria can actually attach to these droplets and can metabolize this oil at significant larger rates than it would if it was a macroscopic layer of oil
0: on the surface. Okay. What happens? Like, what's the fate of oil that is spilled into any, you know, body of water, into the Pacific Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, et cetera? Like, where does it tend to go?
2: So... Crude oil is a mixture of different hydrocarbons, different molecular weight hydrocarbons, low molecular weight, high molecular weight. So a common fate of all this oil spill is that bacteria immediately attacks this oil and literally eats up the smaller molecular weight hydrocarbons. And what's left is essentially this large molecular weight tar-like material which they cannot metabolize. So at this point, the bacteria actually forms a biofilm at the surface of crude oil, and it starts sinking to the bottom of the ocean or the water body, whichever it is. And this whole process is called marine snow formation. Because you have bacterial biofilm onto the surface of oil, it's kind of milky white, And it really looks like that you have this snow formation in the ocean. But the issue there is that the oil that actually goes to the bottom floor of the ocean does not really decompose. And even now, if you actually read about it in some of the newspaper in Louisiana, you can read that some of the oil still washes onto the shore, this tar-like material, which was spilled in 2010 in Deepwater Horizon. So it just disappears. We cannot see it, but it's actually at the bottom, at the sea floor, especially this tar-like, high molecular weight hydrocarbons.
0: That's interesting. So the, do the biofilms accidentally make it heavy enough so it falls down to the bottom, or is it deliberate? Yeah.
2: So the bacteria just eats up the lighter fraction of the oil. Whatever is left is very heavy to be.
0: Right, but Why would it coalesce around longer chain? hard? Is it like a nucleation site or a substrate that the biofilm grows on? Is that why it does? That's right.
2: That's right. The biofilm bacteria love hydrocarbons, right? They want to attach to that surface. They want to form biofilm on that surface.
0: Are these uh, anaerobic right. bacteria or aerobic? Because even if they're, you know, if they live in the water, I would think there's a much higher concentration of oxygen than near the surface. And if they sink a hundred feet, 500 feet, a thousand feet, they'd be in a very different environment. How could they survive?
2: So this all is still ongoing investigation. Why this happened? Because the process is quite complex. Once you have a biofilm formation on the surface of this oil, bacteria also produces something called biosurfactants, And they also play a significant role in changing the dispersibility. But we don't really know yet that how much biosurfactant they produce, which bacteria produces which biosurfactant, and what's the role of this biosurfactant in breaking these larger oil slicks into smaller droplets. So there are a lot of questions unanswered here, which we do not quite understand.
0: Well, has anyone done sampling of snow that's been sitting there for a year or a couple years, you know, visual and or, you know, physical samples and then analysis in a lab of what's going on there?
2: Yeah, visually, yes. There have been several studies, but their physical chemical composition is too complex because biofilm is, is essentially made from all kinds of mixture of, you know, different biosurfact and different proteins, the phospholipids and other fatty acids that's actually present there because of the breakdown and dying of bacteria bacteria in there so it's a it's a mixture of different things it's very hard to quantify the composition of that film but one issue that actually there are some articles that actually looked into uh, after deep or horizon was that the dispersant that we used corrects it was actually inhibiting the attachment of bacteria to oil water droplets so it's does not allow bacteria to eat up oil and metabolize oil. So which actually, so some of the articles argue that it's uh, not a good thing for the environment. Right? So uh, there have been articles which I've read that you have, that spilled oil is has certain hazard associated with it, environmental hazards. The dispersant themselves have different set of hazards associated with they're both environmental and human, and but their combination is deadly. Combination of oil spill with dispersant. So a lot still need to be actually investigated here. And that that was, in fact, the motivation of why we actually wanted to develop sustainable alternatives for oil spill cleanup.
0: Okay. But what was observed? I know it's complicated what's down there, the snow and all that. But visually, what was observed? I know how important amino acids are for optimal health and athletic performance. I've been on the lookout for something that can help boost athletic performance during my workouts. Further, something that tastes great and is easy to incorporate into my daily routine. Then I found the Amino Company, which offers 100% science-backed amino acid formulas. I tried their workout formula, Perform, which has been scientifically proven to improve muscle performance during exercise, reduce fatigue, and recovery times and increase the gains from workouts. It's keto-friendly, soy-free, vegan, gluten-free, and without any nasty GMOs. Thankfully, I found a formula that has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. Perform is formulated to minimize muscle breakdown during exercise and maximize muscle growth after exercise. You can check out their science by visiting... AminoCo.com genius. In a clinical trial, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than tripled by using Perform as compared to whey protein. Amino Company's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Robert Wolfe. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolfe has completed an unbelievable 62 marathons in under 2 hours and 30 minutes set national age group records, and is still running and fueling his body with Perform at age 75. If you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis than any protein source. Again, right now you can get 30% off by using code GENIUS at checkout when you visit AminoCo.com slash GENIUS. And it then, was observed.
2: Uh, they they're actually can actually look into there are some images I still remember in some articles that you have this thick white layer formed on tar-like material. So it looks like really a white stuff, some white, you know, gooey kind of material floating down from the surface of ocean. So that's what it looks like.
0: Is it um like overlapping scales of I don't know, jagged white? pieces of stuff or does it look smooth or like what can yeah, you what clues do you get visually from when you look at it what, what does it tell you in your mind
2: so it's really i don't know if you have ever noticed biofilm formation on your sink it actually mm. looks very similar to just the fact that in in our shower or in our sink the biofilm mostly which is formed looks pink rather than opaque white but it looks very similar to that
0: Hmm, Okay. And then physical sampling of it, what's been noticed so far, even though the analysis is far from complete, like, again, that you, that people going in there and cut out a chunk of this stuff? Is it monolithic? Is it look like overlapping scales? Like, you know, like an alligator would have? Is it, you know, what's the morphology of it?
2: It's all soft and squishy. It's all very soft. It's still like a thing. Yeah, it's very soft. It's not really hard that actually encompass this whole oil, but it's really soft.
0: What's beneath it? Is it? Does it kill everything beneath it and starve it out? Or is there stuff, are there, you know, other bacteria beneath it? And does it create like a microenvironment or a specialized niche, you know, on the, on uh, the seafloor?
2: That's a good question. We don't know.
0: Well, are there so. any um, macroscopic creatures? Like, do fish nibble at it? Are there crabs, like, making homes in it? You know, or is there no life around it? Like, just in general, are there any... Apparently, there is
2: life around it, but it's still, at least I remember these images of oil washing onto the shore. That's really what you see on tar, the melted tar we see when, when they are making these roads. When they melt it, it shows very similar behavior. The At least the oil fraction that washes off to the Louisiana coast and shores.
0: So it's probably, if you picked it up, it would probably be slimy, gross that's right. That would just slop all right. over the place, right?
2: That's right. That's right. It's mm, still okay. a hydrocarbon. So it's still a hydrocarbon.
0: So what is your research attempting to look at in regards to this? Are you trying to characterize your, you know this biofilm that's created, or is your research elsewhere on you know different dispersants, et cetera?
2: So we look at two things. There we look at one of my students actually looks at the mechanism of this biofilm formation and how presence of nanoparticles, essentially plant-based materials, impact the formation of this biofilm. That's one area which I'm interested in. The other area which we work on is using these plant-based nanomaterials to develop sustainable oil harders. So oil harders are a different class of molecules that do not really emulsify the oil, but they actually herd the oil essentially like we herd sheep, right? So into a small region. If you actually put these molecules onto the surface of oil, they actually collect the oil into thick slick, which can be in principle removed, right? So we develop plant-based oil herders, specifically using lignin. So lignin is one of the one of the major biopolymers that actually is isolated from wood. Wood has two major components. One is cellulose, other is lignin. So lignin is the waste product of paper industry, can be easily available, very inexpensive. And we developed recently a mixture of lignin with some heavy alcohol that that actually works as oil herder.
0: Okay. Oil herder. So what it it aggregates these these slimy clumps, I mean, and then what, they're taken out physically out of the system? Or what's, you know, what's yeah, the plan? Yeah, that's right. So, the, the
2: absolutely right. as got it right. So, when whenever oil spill happens, you, you have different strategies. So, for example, oil is going to spread onto the surface, and it's because of something called positive spreading pressure. So, you add these molecules, the harder molecules, they change the spreading coefficient and actually conglomerate the oil into a smaller area. Once they conglomerate onto the oil, you can actually easily remove it by different physical methods Add some kind of absorbent on there and that would soak up the oil. But a big challenge with currently used oil harder is that ocean is an infinite reservoir, right? So if you add these molecules with time, they actually lose their effectiveness, because they actually get diluted, because they are all going into the water, these molecules. And the oil spreads out again, okay? So okay. there is a need. One, we need to have more eco-friendly alternatives. And second, we need to have oil herders that actually work for a very long time They keep this conglomerate state of oil for much longer time, typically up to a few hours. But the current technologies allow us to... Once you actually use oil harder, you have around five to ten minutes to clean up oil at that huh. after that.
0: So Is there is there enough of this snow to make it into a feedstock? Like what's has anyone explored the quality of it, the volume of material, et cetera? Could it be used as a feedstock for anything? Or is it uh, nowhere feed, near that quality?
2: Feedstock uh, of this marine snow you mean or
0: Yeah, could it be used as a feedstock for oil? Could it be reclaimed and reused? Could it yeah, be, in used principle, be a natural process?
2: That's right. In principle, if you can actually collect the oil and it's so if you remember most of the scenes from Gulf of Mexico, what they do is actually they put these oil herders, they put these booms around the oil and they set it on fire pretty much because economically, it's not really profitable to isolate the oil and, you know, essentially separate the oil from water and whatever it has gained while being in water. Essentially, these bacterial foams. So, an easy way to get rid of oil is just burn it on the site. But then you're transferring the problem from the ocean to the atmosphere. So, yeah, there are different challenges with respect to it. So,
0: well, why burn it? Is it, is it causing harm? You know, if it's in the snow formation or, you know, format, like, why not leave it there, see what happens to it?
2: So, it's just before the snow formation, when it's floating on the surface of water. The oil is floating on the surface of water because it starves the ocean and all the life beneath from the, oil, from the oxygen. So you need to get rid of it. It impacts the marine ecosystem. Well, I mean, if, if
0: a lot of it has been removed, is there a certain point where you stop? You're like, that's the best we'll get. You know, like what happens?
2: Not sure if I completely follow what you're saying. So,
0: oh, if X, if X percent of the oil is removed from, let's say, the Gulf of Mexico, a certain area, at what point do you say, "All right, that's enough. We've done all we can. It's okay. We don't need to do anymore. The uh, ecosystem's maybe, okay now." I don't even want
2: to remove all hundred percent, right? <laughs> Why to leave it in there? It's not supposed to be there. We don't really drink crude oil, do we?
0: <laughs> so. Well, I mean, maybe it's serving some new purpose. You know, maybe, again, if the, the snow is analyzed, maybe it is creating an environment that is beneficial, at least down there. The stuff that doesn't sink to the bottom but stays in the top, maybe that fraction only should be addressed. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe at least all either. we gotten rid of.
2: I don't know either. To me, if bacteria cannot metabolize such heavy oil, I cannot comprehend that easily what would be the benefit of leaving the oil down there if, some kind of life form could actually metabolize it. Maybe there is. I don't no. know.
0: Well, what's the oldest accessible oil spill that you know of? And maybe In 19... that, that snow would be accessible. And that might be really interesting. If it's been there for 20, 30 years. Sure. But how do you track it down? Well, I don't know. But anyway, so what is the oldest oil spill, oil spill on record that might be accessible by, that's not too deep, that's not too far offshore, et cetera, that might be accessible by scientists, you know maybe they get sent you know maybe automated subs that uh you know little robots that don't have to go too too deep, maybe it's only a hundred feet down you know off the shore of or off the coast of X place, and therefore it's more accessible than it being a thousand feet down where it' would be very difficult to get equipment down there. That's what I'm saying,
2: yeah, it could be I'm not aware of people looking into that, so I can't comment on that
0: I guess the department needs to give you your own uh, your own set of robots or or submarines to you investigate it if you wanted to, you know? I know it'd That's be expensive right. to do, but but yeah, anyway, it, so what is the oldest oil spill known where, let's say the effects are still being felt, let's say decades later, has that been quantified? Does that exist anywhere?
2: So there've been oil, this Santa Barbara oil spill, which was, I believe was in 60s. And even decades later, I read about it, there were still these impacts marine life, fish industry. For example, from, I had a couple of students from South Louisiana, from fishing communities, who actually were telling me firsthand experience that the fish industry is still not at the same level as it was before Deepwater Horizon in the state of Louisiana. So it impacted the Gulf Coast. So I can have this firsthand experience with Deepwater Horizon and its impact in past decade, so it's been 12 years. So it's, at least I can assure you that it will have impact for at least 12 years because it's still going on. The fish industry is not back yet.
0: Sorry about that, couldn't get the button to work. So with the Santa Barbara oil spill, what what do you mean the fishing industry is still impacted? Is it just numbers are down or types of fish are reduced? Like, how do you know that there's still an impact from this oil spill?
2: The numbers are down significantly.
0: No, it's not the same. I so it, it could it be from other factors like overfishing or other things, or it could be from oil spill or no one knows.
2: Could could be because of any of these reasons, but it's the drop immediately after the oil spill was significant. And it's still at the not it's not at the same level as it was
0: before. Maybe you'll have to send a poor graduate student there to, to go check out the condition of the snow if there's any left, you know, under the under the water there. That would be interesting. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I
2: think well, once in a while, we see that in newspaper, you know, all is still washing onto the shore. So see still see those images.
0: So what do you think is going to be the, so, so you're dealing primarily with the fraction that's staying on the surface, that's washing up on shore, that's sitting on the surface and not really with the snow portion of it. Um, is there any gross percentage of, for a given spill, what percentage will sink, what percentage will stay afloat?
2: It really depends on the composition of oil. All the crude oil is not the same. It depends. It varies significantly based on its source. Right? And there is no universal understanding of why this is. Right? So in one case, you may have higher tar fraction than the other. And it's because of this how the oil was actually formed in these geological forms in the first place. So we, we don't really hmm. yeah have the first-hand information there. So it
0: depends. Does, does anyone have a database like, oh, the oil spill in 1984 from here was mostly like sour diesel, and then this one was sweet crude, and this one was that, and that one was this. You know, what if you referenced a whole, you know, several dozen spills with the type of feedstock, and then maybe you can compare effects and see Maybe that would jump out at you, you know. The let's uh, say the ones that had a lot of sulfur in it, you know, the sour type stuff tended to have a lot more matter that stayed on the surface versus sinking. I'm just making this up, but maybe there's a trend there.
2: You know, as I said, if you have higher molecular weight hydrocarbons, they are going to sink. Any oil that has higher tar material that will sink.
0: Okay, I was just wondering if there's a correlation there. What's the future of your um your research? Like, what projects or what questions are you trying to answer right now that you think you might get some? understanding over the next few years?
2: So we are still investigating that the technologies we can use immediately after the oil spill. It's very hard to get the oil past the first week of spill, right? So it's very hard to keep track of the oil where it went and recover that oil. So we are primarily focused on looking at which sustainable technologies we can develop that would allow us to encounter such inevitable disasters while minimizing their environmental impact.
0: Okay. What's the, um, the most recent oil spill that, um, I guess, would it be the, uh, the Deepwater Horizon one that's in your backyard or you was the most accessible one spills. to you?
2: That, that's a big one. That's why we know. But there are a lot of other oil spills that occur, right? For example, the inshore, offshore oil spill. There <clears throat> are oil spills every day when you actually transfer oil from one tanker to the other. Sometimes tens or sometimes hundreds of barrels are spill during their transfer. And that's oh, yeah. inland hmm. water. Know that.
0: Yes, there are a lot of oil spills that happen every week. Um, are there any refined product spills? You know, are you only getting a fraction of the crude and that's on a ship and that spills? And, you know, if so, is there a very different uh, type of effect?
2: So for inland oil spills, federal government has not allowed to use any dispersion, and any technologies to take care of because of the potential environmental hazard. However, offshore, you can use literally any way of cleanup. So the only, what I learned a few years ago is the only thing that you can use for inland oil spills are these skimmers. So these are machines, giant robots, if I may call them. They actually would suck up the oil from the spilled oil from the surface of water. That's what you use for inland oil spills of any form. They can be diesel. They can be higher molecular weight hydrocarbons. They can be gas type of
0: materials
2: that's what you use skimmers
0: okay okay is there a database like a worldwide database that tracks spills and what was spilled and how much was spilled and where it was spilled etc
2: we track down we try to track down as many as we can but i'm not aware of any universal database that provides these values it's just because it's very hard to keep track of things all over the world right so they're big refineries and big platforms in Africa, in Asia, in the U.S. So it's very hard to keep track of those things.
0: Okay. well, Very good, uh, Where's the best place for people to find out more about you and your work? Where can they go? They can go to
2: our department website, my group website, and they can actually learn more about our
0: work there. Okay. Well, very good. Abhuvna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's a very interesting topic you're working on. Great. Thanks. Hey, before you go, if you're looking for a nutritional advantage, be sure to check out AminoCo's 100% science back to perform formula. It was created by former Harvard professor and world renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Robert Wolfe. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under two hours and 30 minutes, set national age group records, and is still running and fueling his body with Perform at age 75. I recommend you give Perform a try. It's three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis than any protein source. The AminoCo is giving our listeners 30% off all AminoCo products, including Perform. You can check out their science by visiting AminoCo.com slash Genius. Use coupon code Genius for a 30% discount at checkout.
1: If you like this podcast,